and welcome to GTR Trade Insights. My name is Shannon Manders and I'm GTR's Editorial Director. In this episode, I will be speaking to Stuart Roberts, Managing Director and Global Head of Trade at JP Morgan, to get his take on the current state of global trade and the ways in which the bank is bringing a unique perspective to unlocking access to finance and encouraging a move towards more sustainable practices. Our discussion follows an exclusive interview recently published on the GTR site, which touches on these and other themes relevant to trade now and into the future. Welcome, Stuart. Hey, Shana. Thank you for having me. One of the dominant narratives in our industry today is how digitization is driving change in trade. But as you outlined in the recent interview with GTR, trade today remains largely unchanged um, from, from trade centuries ago. What do you believe to be the sort of fundamental economic concepts driving trade uh, and what impact are they having? Well, I think you know, at its very core, trade hasn't changed, right? You have to have a willing buyer, you have to have a willing seller. You know, the concepts of David Ricardo, comparative advantage, how economic uh, changes occur between companies, between countries, that doesn't really change. But I would say, that the pace of technological development globally, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's uh, the internet of things, the fourth industrial revolution, is really driving across every single industry, the ability for more and more people to effectively participate in trade. Think of e-commerce with small, medium-sized merchants who are able to sell their wares globally through an e-commerce platform. You think of the internet of things, the ability then for Uh, Companies, even local producers, to do 3D printing, to be able to kind of nearshore, onshore, that pace of change and the ability for buyers and sellers to enter the market is unprecedented. And I think both banks in terms of traditional trade finance have historically struggled a little bit to maintain that pace of change. And I would also say that governments, regulators, and legal environments have also struggled to maintain the pace of change that you know technology across the board is setting. Yeah, so so digital innovation and, and leadership um, clearly lie at the heart of um, JP Morgan's approach. Um, but why is it, you know, as you just outlined now, why is it that trade finance um, is still some way away from reaching this? ideal scenario in terms of the adoption of all of these new and improved processes? Well, I think it's, it's that the technology and the processes are there, right? We all know what we need to deploy. We all know that we can deploy them. I think the, the challenge that we face as an industry um, around the world is that the legal and regulatory environment has not kept pace, right? So if you keep a you know, it's, it's gratifying to see that Singapore and UAE have, you know, allowed as um, legally enforceable electronic bills of lading, but they are two countries that have not universally been adopted and certainly not by the big legal jurisdictions of, say, English law or New York law. Um, what we really need is the, the legal and regulatory environment to effectively catch up to um, 
that that technology. So you know, a simple thing would be, for example, you know, if you think of simple draft discounting, right? Um, you know, an act of an an act of parliament is required now to effectively change um, um, a bill discount to be enforceable under an electronic bill. That that to me seems like a no brainer. But you know, could be brought to the legislative assemblies in, in the UK and the US and, and be made fairly quickly. I, I wouldn't think that there would be too many people opposed to that. And so those are the types of things that really the industry is waiting upon. And after that, obviously, then you get into kind of open source, um, open architecture. And at the moment, I think you found a series of closed ecosystems that have developed in isolation, waiting upon that kind of broader legal and regulatory environment to change. Once that happens, then obviously, it will become, you know, an open source platforms for the technology. And at that point, I expect that the adoption will be, you know, really, really quick. And so industry lobby groups need to be pressuring their relative legislative assemblies to make sure that the, the digitization capabilities are effectively brought to pass to be perfected and um, enforced under the local legal jurisdictions. Yeah. Interesting um, outlook there. Um, moving on, Stuart, if I may. So another sort of dominant theme um, and narrative today in the world of trade and trade finance is that of ESG. And we talk about it as an industry <laughs> quite a lot. Um, but how do we ensure that we continue to approach this theme, at, you know, and that the industry carries out its work um, in a really meaningful way? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're at a point now where ESG is very much talked about. You know, as an example, within JP Morgan, we put in a, a governance structure. We've made a, a person head of ESG governance to make sure that we have the right strategies and kind of framework for how we engage in what we call ESG, right? Whether that's environmental, which, you know, is, is very active and has been at the forefront, certainly in the European marketplace whether that's social, whether it's the diversity minority-owned activities that are very prevalent in the US, North America, and then obviously the governance structures around kind of the emerging markets and um, really kind of going into kind of the development economics. But the industry needs to really start to go deeper into ESG, not just in terms of self-proclamation about what we're doing and what we're not doing and our sustainability goals, but then also making sure that the governance and regulatory framework that we apply to what we call ESG and withstand you know, significant scrutiny as inevitably it will come. Because if you go out and say that you're doing something that is beneficial for the environment, beneficial for society, and you're actively doing stuff to promote access to capital for minority-owned businesses, then you need to have you know, an audit framework and a a, an ability to be able to prove out that point. And that's what we're really focused on now. We know what we need to do in terms of delivering that capital, where to access it. But we also need to show that we can, if you will, show our working out um, to whoever may be interested in understanding what are you actually doing as opposed to what are you publicizing? Um, now, now, Stuart, you know, uh, just moving on to another topic that we mentioned uh, that we talked about in our previous conversation um, the various ways in which JP Morgan you know as a bank intends to and is at the core of, of servicing companies trade and working capital requirements 
Um, perhaps you could outline, we talked about a few in the article, but perhaps you could outline one or two of those areas of focus. Sure. So, I mean, you know, uh, we have just this last week um, officially changed our name to trade and working capital um, away from just trade to reflect that greater importance of what we do um, in terms of fulfilling the working capital requirements of our, our customers. But I think if you were to focus in on one particular area, to me, absolutely, it's around the capital structure of our corporate clients. Traditionally, for banks, the capital structure for a lot of our companies has been focused very much on debt and equity. And what is the right combination? What is the right balance um, in terms of that on their balance sheet? And I think that has negated to some extent some of the operational efficiencies and the, the working capital efficiencies to be found within their own balance sheet. So what we are trying to position globally, and we think this is the right time, is really that the, the capital structure of a company, a modern company these days is really a tripod, right? Which is basically debt, equity, and then what we would call non-debt working capital. So the ability to create um, efficiency through true sale, off-balance sheet structures around payables, receivables, drafts, inventory, all of that effectively allows a company to become much more efficient in terms of how much debt or how much equity it actually needs to issue. And I think that is going to become vitally important as we move into you know, a, a new era in the credit cycle, which is rising inflation, rising interest rates, uh, tapering of the money supply as opposed to quantitative easing, which has been the predominant force over the last 20 years. And all of the corresponding effects that will happen, that will have, sorry, in the emerging markets as you find foreign direct investment kind of shifts and shifts its patterns. Companies haven't had to worry about this really since the financial crisis in 2009, 2010. And that was really kind of assuaged, if you will, by quantitative easing. But this is the first time we've had in the Western world, in the, in the developed world, certainly for 40 years, this kind of inflationary pressure combined with a, a shifting dynamic in terms of money supply having to be retracted. And that will cause pressure on companies' balance sheets. It will cause pressure on leverage ratios. And so the idea that we as a bank can provide that working capital, that non-debt working capital to make companies' overall corporate finance structure much more efficient is going to be vital. And that's really what we are focusing on with everything else that we apply you know, across the board behind that network, ESG, technology, digitization, structuring prowess, access to capital markets and the bank markets. But that's really the focus for us. Excellent. Thank you, Stuart. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you as usual. And I really do encourage our listeners to go ahead and read the full article, um, which, as I said before, um, is available on the GTR website. The title of the article is A New Era for Global Trade. Thank you very much.